Hey mamas, welcome to the Mom on Point podcast. I'm Valen. I will be your host every Tuesday. This is a fun, safe space where we can discuss motherhood in all its complexity. This includes loss, friendship, mental health, wellness, parenting, marriage, and as a postpartum doula, the postpartum period, and also identities. Throughout our lives, and especially motherhood, we experience so many identity shifts and changes. And I think we need more conversations surrounding the hard stuff, the things that matter most. And some of those things are really uncomfortable and no one likes to talk about it, but I do. So download this episode, play it in the car while doing errands or just hanging out at home. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dive in. Hey loves, I am so happy you're here today. I realized I haven't really given a background on me as a person, as a businesswoman, as a mom, as a postpartum doula. So I figured I would share that, but also share my story about Evelyn and losing her um, from stillbirth. So my name's Valen. I am 33. You know, all the, what did we use? ASL, age, sex, location. <laughs> um <clears throat> I grew up in Michigan. I went to college. I graduated. I got pregnant. And six, no, nine months later, six months later, we got married. Nine months later, I had the baby. He joined the military. And for eight years, our life was a whirlwind of new adventures and new places and new friends and people and experiences. And it was probably one of my, my favorite chapters so far. Um, he's been out since March. Now I'll say March of last year. Um, so right under a year and it's been the most challenging year, but also an amazing transitional year. Um, if you're a military spouse or a previous military spouse, you know that uh, reintegration takes a long time after deployment, but it also takes a long time once um, you or your significant other get out of the military and you have to live without that life anymore. Um, it was such a privilege to be a military spouse. And I literally, I have made the best friends that I would never have Um like throughout this entire world. I have friends living in Belgium and all over the States. And it's just, I'm so blessed. I truly, truly am. Um, and so this new season of our life is obviously just beginning, honestly. Um, but we're going to go back to 2019 um, John actually left for his second deployment. Um, I want to say middle end of March of 2019. So right after my birthday and about five months after we found out that I was pregnant with our third little girl. Um, oh my God. I was, I was so excited. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll get, I'm starting on the story of Evelyn. My brain is all over the place this morning. 
I got my coffee here, but it's not doing anything so far. But also because I'm pregnant, my life is drained right now. And my brain feels like mush. But anyways, um, November 2018th is when we found, 2018 is when we found out that we were pregnant with Evelyn. And I don't know what it is, but I always wanted girls. That's it. I just, I wanted girls. So when we found out we were having her, I could not be more happy. Um, I was so excited and ecstatic and joyful and all the things. Um, then again, the following year in March, John left for deployment. So it was just me, Kelly and Violet. And let me see at that time they were five and three, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Callie was super excited to be a big sister again. Violet was still too young to really, um, let that sink in, like really understand what it was meaning that we were having another baby, but all good. Um, it was the best pregnancy that I had had out of three babies. Um, my first two, I was just sick and exhausted and honestly, my second one, I developed postpartum depression and rage, um, after I had Violet and it was a really, really hard time. Anyways, <clears throat> I was, I was just vibrant. That pregnancy was just full of vibrance and life. And, um, me and the girls would go on daily walks once or twice a day, <sighs> between spending time with our friends and having dinner with our friends as a military spouse. And when your husbands are gone, a lot of what you do is you have weekly or, you know, weekly play dates, weekly dinner dates, all scheduled. You take turns making dinner. Um, it's super cool and it saved my life and it saves so many of our lives who have to deal with that stuff. Um, it's life giving to have those friendships. So the summer, the whole summer was just wonderful. And her due date was July 15th. And I still remember. So the whole summer was great. There were no problems. There were no medical problems. All her genetic testing came back great. Um, although I, I still need to find out about my first two daughters, placentas, the placement and stuff, but Evelyn's was anterior, which means her placenta was right on top of my belly or in the front, um, instead of in the back where typically my pregnancies would be. Um, that was, that's just one of the things that I thought maybe was the issue that happened. Um, anyways, um, so because of the anterior placenta, I couldn't feel her move as much. So when she would kick and move and stuff, it was mostly pushing on the placenta. And if you think eight, nine months of pregnancy, your placenta is literally the size of a dinner plate. So, I mean, it covers a good section. And so when I did feel her, it was just light. It wasn't, it wasn't um, forceful or 
Uh, it didn't hurt that type of thing. Um, it was like waves. So I think that was like the biggest difference between all of my pregnancies is that I didn't feel her as much because of the placement of the placenta. Um, July 15th rolls around. Um, and no issues. Uh, we went in for a doctor's appointment. Everything was fine. Um, I feel like we did a stress test towards the end too. Um, just to make sure everything was good. Cause I think one of my blood pressure readings was like high or something. Um, but yeah. And I should say that, uh, June 24th, we went in for an ultrasound reading because they, my fundus wasn't as big as they thought it would, should be or whatever. Um, but it showed that she was growing fine. She was just, you know, a pound less than all, both of my babies. Um, but she was still growing and so that was less than a month before she died. Um, and so fast forward July 15th, everything was great. And I honestly, I just enjoyed those last days leading up to having her. Oh my God. I was so excited to just finally have her. Um, one thing I'll also say as part of the story is that I had told my dad and my mom and my friends, like, I really want the first two weeks just to be me and the girls, especially with John gone. I just, I wanted it to be a really wonderful bonding experience. And I didn't want to have to worry about taking care of people when I just had a baby. Um, that's just who I am. And when people are over, I mean, I'm cooking and I'm doing the dishes and I'm just doing everything for everybody. And I didn't want that. And of course, no, my parents weren't happy about that. Um, that is actually one of the big reasons that I had to end, really put an end to my relationship with my mom because she refuses, always has and did in this specific circumstance, uh, refused to acknowledge my boundaries. She told me that she's going to go get a hotel room and she's going to be right there and she'll show up when she wants and just all this stuff. And I refused. So in May of 2019, I stopped talking to her completely. Um, July 19th rolls around and around 10 AM, I started having contractions. I, I went into labor and keep in mind, this is the first time my body has ever gone into labor on its own. My first two pregnancies, I was induced, wish I could change that, but can't now. Um, but I really wanted my body to do it on its own. I was finally to a point where I was like, listen, if I'm not, if I haven't started contractions, the baby is not ready to come out excuse me. And I finally got that chance. And so I texted my doula. I'm like, Kendra, it started super irregular. It was super early. Um, but it was, I was so excited about it. And at that same time, 
I like thinking back, not at the time, but remembering to that day, that is around the time she stopped moving. And that's hard because throughout the day, I mean, her body is moving within mine from my movement. And it felt like she was moving and I've never had any concerns before. I, there was no reason to believe that I would have a stillbirth or a miscarriage or have my baby die in any way. There was, there was nothing as far as I knew. And it didn't worry me. Cause like I said, I still felt her move. Her body was moving, you know, cause I was taking the girls for a walk. I was really trying to get myself going, um, farther into labor. And about eight o'clock I called my friend Deb and I'm like, I need you to come get the girls. It's time. Like I'm going to lay down for the last few hours and take a shower and that kind of thing. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, she came and got the girls and we had a beautiful friendship moment where she spoke a prayer over me and Evelyn. And it was just the most beautiful night. The sun was still out. I mean, Washington at that time in the summer, midsummer, you know, it stays late, light out until like 9, 15, 930. It was about 830. Not, yeah, 830. Um, so the sun was just starting to set. The sky was beautiful and blue and uh, there was a beautiful breeze and it was just perfect. It was just, it was, everything was just meant to happen as it, as it happened at that moment. But she said a prayer over me and Evelyn and we hugged and she always gives the best hugs. Um, and I know my girls are safe with her always. And then she left and I was just hanging out. <laughs> I was just kind of wandering around, like texting my friends and, um, about min about 10 30, I texted Kendra, my doula and was like, you know, I feel like I haven't felt her move. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, cause I always thought too, Sometimes during labor, the baby's kind of like snuggled really deep into your pelvis if they've um, came down at all. And it's harder for them to move. And we both kind of agreed, like, it was okay. Like, but if I'm worried, I, you know, we can go in right now. And I was like, no, it's okay. We're still in labor, still, you know. Um, I was GBS, is that what it's called? GBS positive. So if I went in, and I didn't have the baby within a certain period of time, they would induce me and I didn't want that. So I waited and about, I took a shower at around 11 30, 12. And then Kendra came to get me by like 12 31. Uh, we went, we got there we sat in the triage room for a few minutes or I should say the waiting room. And then they called us back to the triage room and I was so excited about my girl and um, this is when shit got really bad, really fast and got into the gown. Um, and also I had a bit of just a little bit of blood and spotting earlier in the day. Um, 
my doctor told me that that was fine and you know, not to worry because it wasn't significant. Um, and it could have been, and it looked like my mucus plug. So it was like, uh, here, it should be fine. Sorry, my life. I'm going to have a drink. And, um, uh, the nurse came in to, with the Doppler to find the heartbeat, just make everything was good. And I feel like this part of the story is every, like part of everybody's story, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. She's moving the Doppler around and she's like, oh, she keeps moving. I can't, you know, I can't get her still to get her heartbeat. And I'm like, well, that's good at least. Um, so she's like, let me, let me get the head nurse. Head nurse comes in there. She can't find it either. They call the midwife and they get the ultrasound machine in there. And the midwife checks. And she couldn't find it. And you could tell in on the screen, you know, normally when the, the heart's pumping and you see the red and the blue going, um, it wasn't. There was nothing. And in those moments, you're kind of like denial, like, there's no way, you know, babies, babies don't die. Babies can't die. That's, that's especially not a full term baby. Like that was my thought. Not that having a full term or a 20 week miscarriage is any different because it's your baby. But, um, she said to call the OB. They call the OB in there and he does the ultrasound and just did the same thing that the midwife did. And I saw her lifeless little body in there and nobody wanted to say anything. They just all looked at me and like, how does it feel when you're sitting there and there's like four or five people staring at you? So I just got pissed off and I'm like, she's dead, isn't she? She's gone. And they're like, yes, we're so sorry. And then after that, it was a bit of a blur. Um, John was on deployment. So I had Kendra on my doula call, Blue, uh, Blue Cross, <laughs> Red Cross. Um, to see if we could get him home. Um, and, uh, I went to the bathroom right after that experience and so many thoughts racing through my head. Like, what do I do? What do I tell people? What do, um, what do I tell John? I don't want to tell him this. Like, I don't want to like, what do you do with a dead baby? How do you handle this? I mean, I had no experience. I had no, no experience with this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, I came out, went back behind the triage curtain and, um, you know, Kendra's just trying to keep me calm. Um, and I'm just crying. I'm having a hard time just breathing. Um, and they opened the curtains 
so we could get to my room and the entire nurse staff was just sitting there. Everybody was just sitting there sad. I think um, something that people forget is that this, this type of experience affects everybody that it touches. And you know, a lot of these women are moms or aunts or they have best friends that have, have babies or have gone through this. Like everybody is hurt. Everybody's hurting. And they're just trying to be there. Right. At the moment, at that time, I was so mad. I was like, you just fucking leave me alone. Like it drove me crazy, but, um, excuse me. It's so they took me and Kendra back to my room and it was like, they were taking me to the dungeons. I, I can't even remember how we got there. It was just like, and they put this little flower on your door to show like a bereaved mom or dead baby or something. I'm not quite sure what this, you know, how they term that, but it was like, we were all alone. I was alone, even more alone than I felt already. And, um, the, what I told Kendra is like, I want to, I want, um, a C-section. I, I don't want to go through the rest of this, this labor. Um, I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to, I just don't want this. And I want, I just want her out. And we went around for about an hour with the midwife, her coming and telling me that the OB did not want to do a C-section mainly because I was fat. And my thoughts are just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you give hundreds of thousands of women's C-sections every year just because it's convenient. And in a time where my choice in this, in this particular circumstance is so important to me and my autonomy, um, it was just really bad. And then it literally took an hour going back and forth. They started blood work. The midwife kept coming in to <clears throat> coax me into having a vaginal birth. Um, I told her I wanted an epidural. So we we're waiting on that. Um, and Kendra had left the room for, I swear it was like two or three minutes to go get ice. And, uh, the midwife literally coerced me into doing what she wanted and what the doctor wanted. You got to think that when a woman is going through this, like just found out her baby died. She has nobody there except her doula. She has to make all the decisions on her own. She's just wants it to be over. And you keep telling her she has a choice, but only giving her one choice. Um, at a point you just have to say, fuck it. Fine. I'll do what you want. Just make this stop. And I'm still so mad about that. So mad about that. <clears throat> so, excuse me. Um, got all the blood work done. Um, there was nothing there. 
all the drugs tests came back fine. I didn't have drugs in my system. Like there was nothing to show, um, that anything had happened. Um, I ended up getting an epidural and that prolonged my labor. If I would have just let it go, you know, Kendra kind of thinks it would have been like two and a half hours and I would have, would have had her, but I, I couldn't, I just wanted, I wanted to sleep. I wanted to not feel it. And 10 hours later, that's how long that I had to lay there knowing my dead baby was in my stomach and having to think for 10 hours about all the things that were going to have to be done or how to tell people or how to handle life, how to live through this. Um, excuse me. I'm also recording the video for my, for YouTube. So I'm like trying not to blow my nose on screen, but anyways, about 10, it was about 10 in the morning, 10, 16, I think, um, Evelyn was born. Um, I couldn't, I had to use a peanut ball a little bit, but as soon as I did, it was like, she, she was just coming out and, um, I pushed just a little and she just came out and so did her placenta at the same time, which is why they think it was a placental abruption or a partial placental abruption. Um, she was perfect. She was be so beautiful. And, um, they handed her to me and I just held her and I sobbed. I use that word sparingly, but I was sobbing. I was crying out like in pain, the physical pain that grief causes when your baby dies is intense. Um, excuse me. So my midwife, it had been a shift change. So I had a really great midwife there that wasn't the one who took my choice away. Her name was Gretchen. And she told everybody else in that room, you give her what she wants. She wants more drugs. Give it to her. She wants this. Give it to her. Um, she was so supportive. I don't know what I would have done without her and my nurse, Michelle, who to this day, I still haven't got to thank, but she made the experience much less traumatic than I think it would have been or could have been. Um, so that is the birth story. Um, a little bit after that, Michelle, the nurse gave Evelyn a bath just because I, I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't function. And I didn't know how to do that. I don't know how to give a dead baby a bath. And, um, she did that for me. She got the baby dressed. We had, um, now I lay me down to sleep, come and take pictures, which is the best thing that I have ever done. I wish I would have taken more videos on my phone and things like that, but I should have. Um, they also make you talk to a social worker and you have to go through all these obstacles and plans on how to, what to do with the body and all this stuff. And it was just, it was a lot. I finally got to, I called my dad my dad was devastated. He couldn't even stay on the phone with me. John, we finally got him. 
got a hold of his chain of command and was able to get him home, get him home five days later um, from Japan, which is better than nothing. Yes. But they messed up his airplane, his flight twice and he was stranded. Um, so that was difficult. Kendra called one of my military spouse friends from our neighborhood and had her come and stay with me. Uh, her name is Jenna and she stayed with me the rest of the day. Kendra had to go. She had, she has babies. She breastfed at the time and stuff. So Jenna took care of me after that. She's one of the only other people to hold Evelyn. Um, when it was time to go, I decided to leave. I could, I did not want to stay in the hospital. I couldn't stay in the hospital. I just wanted to go home. So when it was time to go, the last minute I changed my mind and I didn't want to go. I didn't want to leave her. I didn't want to have to think that she's going to have to ride in a hearse or an ambulance to the funeral home and then be alone and cold there. Like so many things go through your mind that you never ever in your life would think about. Um, Ken, but Jenna took me home. We stopped at Walgreens first to get some sleeping medication I got home and I had my friend Beth there. She was doing dishes and just cleaning up and being there to check on me. And um, I had my friend keep the girls for the night again because I needed I needed some time. Um, but that is my story with Evelyn. That is that is what happened, and we still to this day. I denied the autopsy because I did not want to even think about them cutting open her little body. Um, and you guys will notice the way I talk. It's just, it's the way that I have to process things. It's, it's, it's real. I have to use real words. I can't sugarcoat any of the stuff really. And it's, you know, some people just can't take that and that's okay. Um, but <clears throat> excuse me. That is my story with Evelyn and there's a lot more for after that, but we'll talk about that another time. Thank you guys so much for being with me. I know this one was a bit emotional, but I really wanted you to know where I was coming from and why I do what I do in taking care of moms. Moms are my heart and I love all of you so much. I hope you have a great week. I'll see you guys later. Thank you so much for joining me with the Mom on Point podcast. I hope you found some inspiration, some joy, maybe some new information that can help you heal, feel better, or just get through the day. If you've loved the pod podcast, please like and comment and let me know what you think. I read and respond to all comments personally, and it really helps others discover me who may need my message too. You can also find me on Instagram at ValenWeb. You can email me at info.valenweb at gmail.com. Again, that's info.vallenweb at gmail.com. Or you can check out my website where I have tons of free resources and freebies at valenweb.com. I look forward to hearing from you. I'll add all these things on the show notes. Feel free to check them out anytime. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you next Tuesday.